T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you on a cold, chilly, snowy Wednesday evening. Thanks for staying up late with us tonight. We've got lots of stuff to cover, but a couple of things I want to get out of the way. Just some housekeeping things for this evening. And I like to mention this because during the week, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a Camo X listener. Uh, that's how I started doing this in in uh, 22 years ago. I started doing legal analysis work for KMOX. And because uh, I was a listener, I was a listener since I was a kid, just like most of you listening to Jack Buck call Cardinals games. I mean, I did all that. And I thought, wow, one of these days I would really love to be on KMOX. So I understand why you listen, because I listen for the exact same reasons. And one of the things I'm enjoying when I'm driving is listening to Camo X on 98.7 FM. So if you haven't tried that yet, it works very well. Now, if you're one of our listeners from uh, the 44 states that you could pick up Camo X uh, nationwide or certainly listening online, this may not apply to you. But if you're local to the St. Louis area, 98.7 FM, it sounds perfect. So check that out uh, as you are driving around. Also, I get lots of feedback from listeners, and I always enjoy that. My law firm, Harris, Dowell, Fisher, and Young. If you want to email me any questions, comments, suggestions, you want to send me a hate email, I mean, I respond to every email, and trust me, I get them all. I, I get all kinds of emails. I respond to everyone because that's the part of this show that I like. When I say at your service, from my perspective, it means you get to interact with the show in progress. So my email address, beyoung, that's B-Y-O-U-N-G, at harrisdowell.com, H-A-R-R-I-S as in Sam, D as in David, O-W-E-L-L. And as we're moving uh, through the show this evening, we've got a couple of interviews. Uh, but uh, listen, if you want to text at any time, 314-436-7900. I'll read most of them on the air unless you use words that will get me in trouble. So I won't do that. And uh, But if we're not doing interviews, phone lines are, are, of course, always open. The latest thing I want to talk about, and you heard uh, Sean Michael Lyle talk about it at the top of the hour, is obviously Russia. And there's some updates on Russia, and I just want to briefly talk about it. But here's what I think is very interesting given the events of this week. 
Uh, we heard President Biden make a lot of promises when he was running for president against President Trump. Now, I don't think it's an accident that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin invaded Crimea, which was part of Ukraine in 2014 during the Obama-Biden administration, did nothing during the Trump administration, and then now during the Biden administration, he invades Ukraine. I don't think that's an accident. I really don't. Uh, I remember hearing reports that uh, the Soviet Union did not want to do anything to make Ronald Reagan mad because they didn't know what that crazy guy would do. And, you know, there's some there's some benefit to that from a leveraged negotiation standpoint. There's a lot of benefit in that. And we've seen how that works right now with President Biden. But considering what you have seen and experienced during the past two weeks, what I want to remind you of, this is President Biden when he was running for office in October of 2019. This is what he said about Vladimir Putin. Because Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully. And I know he doesn't want me to be president. But to tell you what, when I'm president, things are going to change. Well, you know, he did keep his promise, folks. Uh, Joe Biden kept his promise. He said things are going to change. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Putin didn't invade during the Trump administration, but he did invade during the Obama-Biden administration. And now he's uh, he has invaded Ukraine yet again during the Biden administration. So, yes, things have changed, but uh, not for the better. I, not for the better. And, yes, Mary Lynn has already texted in. Thank you, Mary Lynn. Uh, the Democrats are weak. Yes, that's what we see in this instance, it's not a it's not an accident that the Iranians released all of the hostages the day Ronald Reagan was sworn into office, the very day. That's not an accident. And uh, and it's not an accident that Putin feels that he can invade Ukraine during the Biden administration, during the Obama administration. But he didn't feel like you could have done that during the Trump administration. I've got a, I've had my uh, complaints against President Trump, and I would be happy to list them. So this is not somebody that thinks Trump can do no wrong, but it's just a fact when it comes to uh, what we're seeing right now in Ukraine. And in the about a minute that we've got left here, I just want to show you or, or point out the results of a poll that came out today. Just 24 percent of Americans want Biden to play a major role in the Ukraine conflict. But here's what's interesting. 32% of Democrats want America to be involved in this war. 32% of Democrats. Now, when have 32% of Democrats ever been in favor of invading or stopping the invasion of another country? When has it ever been that high? And I think, again, this is one of those things that, well, if there's a Democrat in office and he wants to do it, it must be good. Uh, because we've got no business, and I applaud President Biden, for saying we are not going to get involved if Russia invades or now that Russia has invaded Ukraine. We should not get involved with that. They're not a member of NATO. We should not put American troops on the front lines to protect Ukraine. So in that instance, I agree 100 percent with President Biden. And yet 32 percent of Democrats want us to be in an armed conflict with Russia over Ukraine. And if it were President Trump that was going to do that, the number would be in single digits. So I just like to point out uh, the inconsistencies when it comes to policies 
when there is a Democrat in office. Hey, coming up after the break, we're going to go more local, and we're going to get the latest on the loop trolley debacle from community watchdog Tom Sullivan. He's going to break down the numbers for us here this evening. At your service, Camo X. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Have you ever noticed that the loop trolley is like your drunk uncle at Thanksgiving? He goes away, but he seems to come back and he won't stay away, just like the loop trolley. So uh, joining us to uh, fill us in on where the loop trolley debacle stands is uh, community activist and community rather watchdog Tom Sullivan. Hey, Tom, thanks for joining us again here on Camel X. Thanks for having me on, Brad. It's great to talk to you. Uh, now, Tom, the city of St. Louis announced this week that bi-state development was going to operate the loop trolley isn't first of all isn't this a reversal from uh, by state regarding running the loop trolley it is a reversal in january of 2020 the regional administrator for the federal transit agency showed up at a by state meeting and said that uh he thinks that by state should take over and operate the trolley and he promised uh, about 1.9 million dollars and he said if you don't do it well, they're either going to ask for the for the money, grant money back, and also it could jeopardize uh, future federal funding. So the board listened to them, and you know they they uh, they looked at some of the negatives of doing that, and they said, "No, we don't want to do it." Well, I thought it would end there, but it did not. And uh, then, of course, uh, the trolley was still at this time; it was still not not in service. Well, then at the end of December of uh, last year, the regional administrator for the Federal Transit Agency sends this kind of nasty letter to the Loop Trolley Transportation Development District, which now is uh, the chair is Mayor Tashara Jones, and says, you know, this is it. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna yank the money back that we gave you for the trolley. And also we're going, and again, he said we're just going to jeopardize future federal funding. So then the mayor and the county executive, and they believe they believe all this, and they feel that they really have to do it, despite the fact that the Federal Transit Administration has never sued anybody to get a grant back, at least as far as, as anyone knows. So then they put the pressure on Bi-State to take over the trolley. And then we go to the last uh, Bi-State meeting on Friday, and it comes up, and uh, they, they all agree. Out of the 10 commissioners, only one uh, voted no. So they authorized their CEO, Talby Roche, to go ahead and start uh, start 
whatever's needed to uh, to bring the trolley back. And as of right now, they're planning on bringing it back on June the first if they if they get everything running. And then they're coming back again in August to the East West Gateway Council of Governments, hoping to get a one point two million dollar grant for the trolley. So it seems like uh, you have one government bureaucrat basically threatening this whole area, and the mayor of St. Louis and the county executive and the bi-state and everyone is just is just uh, uh, going along, which I think is uh, rather incredible. It seems to me they ought, they ought to just say that no, this is this is just this is just getting crazy. The idea that this area has to keep a trolley running up and down Delmore that very few people want to ride is going to waste even millions of dollars more. Uh, that's a pretty absurd situation. It really is. And uh, we're talking to community watchdog Tom Sullivan. And as I understand it, Tom, Bi-State isn't going to own the loop trolley. They're just going to operate it on a contract basis. That is correct. And they're claiming that they don't have any, you know, it's not going to cost anything. Uh, Bi-State is going to provide services. And then, as I as, as it was explained, uh, they're going to bill the loop trolley district for the services that they provide at least that's how it starts but you know how these things uh, end up oh, yeah. uh, they will they will change it as, as it goes along but one of the things that i didn't really realize is it sounds like the uh the trolley cars are, are really not in condition ready to uh ready to go out and, and and operate and they have a third trolley car which they've been talking about for years and apparently it's not it's not something about lining the wheels to the track or something like this and at any rate, it sounds as if there's, they need some work before you can get them running, get it back running again. Well, sure. The, uh, and the two that actually have been operating, they've been basically in storage for the past two years. So obviously there would be some maintenance needed to get them back up to speed. But as you've already alluded to it, Tom, it's not that it's not like Bi-State is going to operate the loop trolley because it's lucrative or it's going to actually carry any significant number of people. So what's the real reason behind Bi-State? Because they, they don't want to be involved with this, but they feel that they're being forced into it, and why is that? That Well, it, it, there's a lot of things about this that are absolutely puzzling. You know, why the Federal Transit Administration thinks that this trolley is so important, I don't know. And, and he's had the CEO of Bi-State, Talby Roach, uh, he's, he's uh, convinced him that they, that they need to run it. And, of course, at the Bi-State board meeting on Friday, you know, one of the one of the board members who was opposed says, you know, we're having enough trouble with our own by state can't get mechanics. Uh, they're cutting back on routes because they, they, they're shortage of, of bus riders. And he's saying, why should we be taking on this, you know, the responsibility of running this trolley when we're having our own problems? But that argument did, uh, did not go anywhere. And they went ahead and, and voted to uh, take over management of it. And supposedly there's no liability for uh, for by state and and uh, there's no no by state money, so that was the big selling points. But how it's actually going to turn out uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, there there may not be any by state money involved here, Tom, but there certainly is a there's a there's a PR element here. There's a public relations element because anyone and anything associated with this this uh, train wreck. Sorry to use that phrase, but it truly is a train wreck with the loop trolley. Uh, anyone who's associated with it. Uh, it kind of gets bruised, and and my concern is is that this would just be a, an added bruise for Bi State. Well, it doesn't make any sense for for Bi State to run. It actually doesn't make any sense to bring it back at all. One of the things I've been pointing out 
is that in June of 2020, they brought it back. This was this was like six, seven months after it stopped running. They brought it back on weekends, thinking that you know this is going to show that it's it's really there's still a need for it. Hardly anybody rode it, even though they weren't charging. Uh, they weren't even charging anything to ride it. I I checked on it several times, and I think the most I've ever saw was like a family of three or four riding it. But I would say 75 percent of the time, it did not have a single passenger. So if you can't if you can't get uh, passengers when you're giving rides for free, and in the summertime, <laughs> I don't know when you're ever going to get them. So it, it, again, it, it makes no sense. Well, and we're talking to community watchdog Tom Sullivan. Uh, how much does this thing cost? Let's let's break down some of the numbers. I mean, we don't need to get to the penny, but uh, but what did this loop trolley, which no one has ridden and that no one would even ride, even if it's free, how much does this cost up to this point? Well, the, the figure that's given most often is fifty one point five million dollars. Actually, there's some additional. Uh, cost behind that. So when you look at the total, I think it comes to like $52.4 million. And what they did was they've cobbled together all sorts of different grants and, and, and all sorts of different contributions. Most of it is public money, and, and, and some of it is, is, is private. But the Federal Transit Administration has been the biggest contributor. They gave a $25 million uh, grant. That's probably the, the, the biggest amount. And then there's various other grants. They had a $3.7 million federal grant to uh, to shore up the Devolver Bridge. Uh, the, apparently, it wasn't strong enough for the for the trolley. And then there's all these other various ones, multi-use sure. grant and Great Rivers Greenway. Oh, they gave yeah, $1.8 million. Lots of those. But the bottom line is, is that this thing cost about $51 million. But as I understand it, the federal, the federal money used here is $37 million, which is kind of the leverage... Uh, that the Federal Transit Administration is trying to use to force St. Louis to operate this thing, which lost money hand over fist when it was operational, and it would probably do so again if it starts running again. That's correct. There's no reason to believe that this is ever going to reach a point where it's even close to paying for itself. The big, the big um, numbers that they're off on was selling the, was the ticket revenue. And of course, since there's so few people that came to ride it, that meant there's, there was less revenue. They predicted to take in like $400,000 a year from ticket revenue. The amount actually came to less than $40,000, so they didn't even get 10% of the projected wow. amount. And that's the central problem that they have. They're collecting about $800,000 a year from a one-cent sales tax in the, in the Loop Trolley District. That's all the various stores along the route of the, uh, of the trolley. But they're, they got that four or five hundred thousand dollar gap, and that's the problem that they're going to have. How do you how do you uh, how do you fill that in? And so far, they have not been able to do so. That's why it's been uh, that's why it's been in mothballs for for a couple of years. But that's what the that's what the uh, Federal Transit Administration is pressing them on. They want them to go back to the East West Gateway Council of Governments and and, and again try to get a one point two million dollar grant, which is rather ironic because the grant has to do with mitigating. Uh, traffic congestion. Well, the loop uh, is it going to mitigate loop trolley, The loop trolley actually causes traffic <laughs> congestion because uh, it know. runs exactly. It runs in its it runs in its own lane. It runs in the lane of traffic. Uh, it does not have its own right of way. Like the Metrolink, for example, runs in its own right of way. This thing runs in in the lane of traffic, and it's just like a school bus. They got these big things on the back. 
you cannot pass this according to state law, city ordinance, blah, blah, blah. So, so it, l- it, it, l- let, me, let me sum it up this way, Tom. And this is so quintessential government logic that $1.2 million of grant money used to, re- to reduce traffic congestion is going to be used to create traffic congestion. That is exactly right. <laughs> oh, sheesh. It is so typical of government bureaucracy. That is amazing. Well, I am going to share with you, Tom, my one idea. If Deshara Jones ever calls me up, which she's never going to do, but if she if she does, if the mayor of St. Louis would, uh, would call me up and say, Brad, wh- what do you think it would take to make this thing work? I Here's my idea. I, I can't promise it would work. But I would rebrand it as the tequila trolley and sell half-priced drinks on the thing, and you would sell all kinds of tickets for this uh, if you called it the tequila trolley. What, what do you think of that idea? Well, yeah, and some have even said it might add some strippers to it. So I mean, now, that <laughs> might that, that might uh, that might cause a bit of a controversy. Yeah, I, I, don't mean, they, I don't know. I don't know that advocates strippers, but uh, half-priced well, drinks. Yeah. They had they had comedians on it for uh, they had, I think it was on Friday nights. They had comedians. And uh, uh, I think that they tried that. I don't know for several weeks, but that didn't go over. That didn't go over either. No matter what has been tried, it just it just nothing is going to get to get it to anywhere near a level where it's producing the, the revenue that it needs. Well, we need we need to call Jerry Seinfeld because he's got a show called Comedians in Cars, and maybe he could do. Uh, you know, something in a trolley. It's pretty pretty close, but uh, we'll have to look into that. Community watchdog Tom Sullivan, hey, thanks for taking uh, some of your precious time to talk with us this evening here on KMOX. Nice to be with you, Brad. Hey, it's great to talk to you again, sir, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Hey, coming up after the break, one of the things that you've I, – I talked about this on Monday when I was filling in for Mark Reardon over on 97.1, and that is that with the Ukraine invasion by Russia – that the United States, not just Ukraine, but the United States could face cyber attacks. Well, the FBI came out just today and announced a warning to the United States for cyber attacks because of our support for Ukraine. So coming up after the break, we're going to talk to uh, cyber expert Nick Powers, whose name to me sounds like a secret agent. You know, if you were going to be a 006, right, wouldn't you want your name to be Powers, Nick Powers? I mean, I would. I would. Uh, we're going to talk to Nick after the break about cybersecurity issues in the United States. Brad Young, at your service. We'll be right back. Welcome back to At Your Service. And as I mentioned before the break, Obviously, the Ukrainians right now are dealing with uh, cyber attack issues because it's a prelude to the actual invasion that we're seeing taking place right now in Ukraine by Russian forces. But the question becomes, could we face cyber attacks in the United States because of our support for Ukraine? So I wanted to reach out to cybersecurity expert uh, Nick Powers. He's the vice president of the technology consulting firm Uncommon. That's U-N-C-O-M-N. It's based at Scott Air Force Base in O'Fallon, Illinois. Hey, Nick, great to talk to you again. Yeah, great to be back, Brad. You know, really sad news coming out of the Ukraine tonight. This is just uh, devastating. It, it really is. And and to me, I've been a, a student of warfare forever. I've got a copy of Sun Tzu, The Art of War, and I can quote portions of it. Uh, but uh, but watching this and watching what we saw uh, when uh, when Russia invaded uh, the Crimea in 2014, 
also cyber attacks were being used, and this is kind of the new uh, prelude to boots on the ground when it comes to warfare. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're seeing um, over the last couple of hours significant uh, distributed denial of service attacks originating from Russia, taking out multiple Ukrainian uh, sites, uh, disrupting Internet capabilities. Um, We're seeing cellular services being taken offline. Uh, There's currently posts going online that are saying that, uh, you know, there is zero capability of of folks on the border towns of being able to communicate now uh all the all the i guess you could say the utilities are being shut down as russia seems to be rolling into the ukraine as we speak and you and you mentioned a term i want to i want to uh, come back to and that is denial of service so in layman's terms can you what is a denial of service attack yeah so it's a what, what we call a brute force attack it's when you actually spin up a whole bunch of machines and flood traffic into uh you know a particular domain or or in or or network and you're just hitting it with so much traffic that the routers cannot handle all of the traffic and essentially you shut down um all of the services in that network and so you especially with cloud computing today you can actually spin up so many virtual machines instantaneously and start flooding those networks that that's you know it's it's a really like we say it's a brute force attack it's not elegant it's not sneaking in a back door it's just hammering you with a whole bunch of traffic right it may not be elegant but it is effective absolutely <laughs> yeah. yeah sometimes effective in the united states yeah so brad in the united states we actually have a lot of capabilities built into our networks that if something like that were to happen there's uh, ways of shutting down those denial of service attacks through the through the routes that they're coming into, and they could funnel that back and do blacklist to block mm-hmm. the originators of that traffic. So you, you don't see those types of things at this scale uh, happening in the United States normally. Well, and uh, and I'm going to move on to the United States because the FBI today, Nick, issued an alert, issued a warning to uh, banking institutions, financial institutions, uh, uh, critical infrastructure uh, facilities in the U.S., and even corporations, that these cyber attacks from Russia could actually be levied against uh, folks and companies right here in the United States. Uh, Is that what the FBI said? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, something that just recently came out in the last, I'd say, 24 hours, Brad, was They've uh, several several groups that kind of monitor hacks, ransomware attacks, things like that. Have found a what they call a wiper uh, piece of software that was uh, massively distributed across Ukraine. The wiper is being at- activated and it's exfiltrating data and wiping machines. And so, banking institutions, financial institutions, um, hospitals, healthcare networks are being basically completely exported to the internet and then there's no trace being left behind and now we're seeing already on the dark web uh people selling bits of this information and so if you 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 can imagine if we have u.s companies dealing with people overseas or even their family members here in the united states that data that personal data could be used to attack united states Mm -hmm. assets you know, it might not even be Russian attacks, but it could be used against them. 
So would you say exfiltrated data, I believe what you're talking about in in uh, layman's terms is, is that uh, the threat actors are actually removing data from computer networks, posting it on the dark web. And then when when these companies or individuals try to access their data, it just isn't there. Yeah, absolutely. And then they're they're selling these stores of data to hackers to use as they would like to probably steal money from people and things like that. We're talking to Nick Powers. He's the vice president at Uncommon, a technology consulting company based at Scott Air Force Base uh, in O'Fallon, Illinois. And when I talk to folks, uh, I'm usually the nerdiest guy in any party. All right. And so whenever whenever I'm having conversations, I like to talk about tech issues. And one of the one of the things uh, that people don't understand, at least from my perspective, is that uh, if I bring up the concept of ransomware attacks, I, I always get the same answer, Nick, and that is, well, I run virus protection, so I'm just fine. But from your perspective as a tech expert, even if someone is running virus protection software, uh, these types of cyber attacks, when it involves either ransomware, exfiltration of data, or the deletion of their data, that's not technically a virus, is it? You know, it, it depends on the signatures, right, and if they're known signatures or not. And so some virus, antivirus, can pick up some of that if you click on that. But the majority of that ransomware doesn't really get detected. And typically it's initiated by your action. You're actually more than likely clicking on a link and accepting the risk. And so your computer typically doesn't detect that. Um, and so, yeah, we have a lot of people that maybe take for granted what they have on their machines for protection. And, you know, at the end of the day, they need to initiate the action. They don't need to allow an email to tell them what to do to click a link. You need to initiate the action. And so when you say about clicking on a link, that's that's known as phishing, isn't it? It can be, yeah, definitely. Um, we're seeing a lot of, you know, fake FedEx, fake UPS type emails. They get you to click on a link to, to find out the status of your package. That initiates a download of your machine. Some people get confused about what's going on. You know, if a pop-up comes up, they just click yes, and then off you go. You've got ransomware and wow. your, your entire computer. Potentially, if you're at a workplace, you're unleashing the virus on the network, and, and things get really hairy. Uh, we're talking to Nick Powers from Uncommon. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed, there obviously there are these hacker groups uh, that operate in Central Europe. And one that's out of Russia is called Fancy Bear. It's a pretty big one where they will ransomware computers and then charge money, usually via Bitcoin, uh, to unlock your data. But what I find interesting is, is that some of these groups, Nick, actually work at the request of the Russian government. And the Russian government can put those hacker groups to work to advance the, the agenda of Russia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, these are mercenaries, you know, uh, for lack of a better term. They're hired guns. They're people willing to do whatever it takes for the money. You know, what's even more frightening, Brad, is is these groups are building what we call ransomware as a service packages. They're building sophisticated control panels and then selling access to this ransomware as a service, allowing I guess you could say less sophisticated companies or, or teams of, of hackers to actually hack companies, and then they share the profits. They take a percentage of the of the profits of the ransom. So they're they're turning this into a business. Yeah, is Lockbit one of those? Uh, I think I've heard of Lockbit. There, I'm sure there's a lot of those. But but I guess my question yeah. my question to you though is is if individuals or companies 
are listening right now and they're saying, well, I'm not sure I've got the protection necessary if these attacks are going to get worse, if they're going to be increased because of the Russian invasion in Ukraine. Uh, Give us just kind of an overview, Nick, of some of the techniques and tactics that companies can use to increase their defenses against these types of cyber attacks. Yeah, for sure, Brad. So, you know, number one is just raising awareness. Um, You know, there's a lot of different organizations like CISA, um, which is a federal agency that publishes threats to industries. And so you can go out there and get information about what is is your industry under attack? Um, Are there specific threats being used against your industry? And then sharing that with your employees, Um, raising that awareness, raising that that level of, of just making sure that if that someone sees something odd, uh, they're getting bad, you know, weird emails that maybe align with the threats, you know, that raising the awareness. So people raise the alarm. And, uh, that's the number one is just keeping people aware, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, you have the good security practices in place, uh, antivirus, uh, scanning on all the machines, you're monitoring your logs, your, uh, turning on multi-factor authentication. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and having backups. You're just practicing good cyber hygiene. Yeah, and having and having available backups. And I know backups aren't the solution, particularly if a ransomware threat actor uh, you know, puts uh, some ransomware on a computer and then delays the encryption so that uh, all of the backups would also contain the encryption. But certainly backups are also a component to uh, to any safe computer hygiene practices. Yeah, absolutely. And don't store those backups on the same network with the computers you're backing up, right? Brad, you're <laughs> alluding to it right now is a lot of people do that. Yeah. They shift it over to another part of their network and the ransomware gets over there and they encrypt their backups and they have no way of restoring from backups. So definitely think about making sure that you have backups in a place that is not accessible um, by your network. So that way ransomware can't spread to it. Yeah, my law firm, we back up to the cloud and uh, every night I'm such a nerd. I, I hate to admit this, but I back up to a 10 terabyte hard drive that I keep under my desk and then I unplug it at night so that it's uh, it's air gap from my computer. So, you know, maybe I go a little too far here, Nick, but if folks need more information or want to reach out to you about how they can improve their own individual or corporate cybersecurity, how can they reach you? Yeah, so we're at www.uncommon.com, U-N-C-O-M-N.com. Um, you know, just throwing out one other idea too, Brad, you know, we talked a little bit about backups. You talked about cloud backups. Uncommon over the last six months developed a, um, a set of scripts. We open source them. It's called Project Cheyenne. Um, think Cheyenne, the mountain, the giant vault. It's hard to penetrate. And we basically created a methodology for, for companies to deploy a one-way cloud backup that essentially if something really terrible happened, like a ransomware attack, you can break the glass and pull those backups over and it won't be infected by ransomware. And so that's available on our website for free. Like I said, it's open source, and we just wanted to find a way to give back and help companies try to overcome all these ransomware issues. That's fantastic. Give that website one more time, Nick, in case folks want to download that free software or reach out to you personally. Yeah, www.uncomn.com, uncommon.com. Excellent. Nick Powers, Vice President at Uncommon. Hey, thanks for giving us your very valuable time this evening. No problem, Brad. Have a great night. All right, you too, my friend. Hey, we come back, more about Russia. Also, your calls, phone lines are open, 314-436-7900. Hey, don't go away. 
Hey, welcome back here to At Your Service. Several sources have been reporting this evening uh, that uh, according to intelligence officials in the White House, they expect that uh, Russia within the next 24 to 48 hours will actually start a broad scale invasion of all of Ukraine, not just the two Russian backed areas in uh, in eastern Ukraine, but actually the entire country of Ukraine within the next, again, 24 to 48 hours. And sources have reported, the, the source that I'm reading from here is in Newsweek, but uh, it's in multiple sources, including uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post, that the this uh, act by Russia will start with missile strikes, but before that it'll be cyber warfare and electronic warfare, just like what we talked about with Nick Powers. That type of cyber warfare and electronic warfare is actually happening right now. So that is the first stage of modern warfare is cyber attacks and electronic attacks. And then we move to the stuff that that we saw during uh, the first Gulf War, and that is airstrikes and missile strikes. And then you're going to have boots on the ground. But this is the progression that we're going to see. In fact, uh, I heard one commentator say this will be the Russian version of shock and awe. And if you remember, shock and awe was the term used by Colin Powell uh, during the first Gulf War, where it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. And that's probably what we'll see here. But I want to talk about President Biden for just a moment. Uh, I'm on record as saying I agree with President Biden's uh, use of sanctions and ratcheting them up as Russia does worse activity, increase the sanctions. And I agree with that plan. I think he's handling it perfectly. Here's what I disagree with, though. And it doesn't have anything to do with what he's did in the last two weeks. But back in May of 2021, President Biden lifted the very sanctions that he's now imposed. In other words, Trump, President Trump had already placed sanctions on the Nord Stream pipeline and uh, and President Biden lifted them. So he allowed Russia to move forward with the construction of this pipeline. And had he just left those restrictions in place that uh, that President Trump had instituted, perhaps that kind of a disincentive would have been beneficial here. But as I'm looking at the quotes that President Biden gave in May of 2021, uh, he basically said that uh, the sanctions would do no good. It would make our European friends angry. And he lists some several other reasons that really don't make any sense. So here we have an example of President Biden undoing what Trump did. And now President Biden is having to re-extend the exact same sanctions that President Trump had already instituted. And President Trump also had a plan to ship liquid national uh, natural gas to Europe to provide for their natural gas needs. And then we, they could completely sever ties with Russia. That didn't happen, unfortunately. Hey, Brad Young in with you at your service. Another hour to go, so stick around. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.